Issues, a podcast about women of color and the issues that we face each and every day. I'm your host, Karen Davis-Thompson, and it's a bittersweet day for me, guys. It's our last solo episode, and while I've enjoyed this opportunity for you guys to get to know me and for me to get to know you all, I am super, super pumped about our in-studio guests and the women that you're going to meet starting next week. So today, it'll be a short one. I'm not going to bore you with a lot of stories about me. I have enjoyed it. You guys have been really supportive. Like I said, you really connected with some of the things I had to say, and I'm grateful for that. But I'm not going to bore you with a long story about me today. I will tell you a few little stories, but it's related to the topic, I promise. What I wanted to talk about today, very simply in very broad terms, because we're going to get into this more and more in the podcast, is what it's like to walk around as a person of color, a woman of color, on a daily basis. And it's part of the reason why I think this podcast is completely dope and needed. And it'll just give you more of a feel of what types of issues that we're dealing with that sometimes don't get the attention that they deserve. And I'll give you a few examples. So you know you've heard those statements people make like when one group gets a cold, this other subgroup gets the flu type thing. So when women get a cold, women of color get the flu, that is so true. And I'll give you a few examples. I want you to know it's based on research not just emotion or feeling. We know, for example, that there is a wage gap. Everybody's aware of that. For every dollar a man makes, a woman makes about 70 cents on that dollar. But when they talk about 70 cents, that 70 cents is really Caucasian women. African-American women make about 60 cents on that dollar and Hispanic women about 55 cents. Uh, Another one that has really, really struck me lately, and I don't know why it's been in the news so much, and I didn't realize this was such an issue in 2020, but believe it or not, there are hundreds, if not thousands of women in the United States who are still dying in childbirth or from something that happened in childbirth immediately following the birth of their child. For every one one, Caucasian woman that that happens to, it's double that for women of color. In some cases, almost triple. In 2020, this is still happening. And those are the types of things that we're dealing with. 40% more women of color will die after a breast cancer diagnosis than Caucasian women. And there are lots of different reasons, and we'll explore a lot of that. Some of it may be, you know, people always want to say, oh, it's education, it's lack of health care. And while all of that may be the case, it isn't always true. Let me give you an example. If you looked at my Instagram recently, you saw a picture of Serena Williams as I was promoting what we'd be talking about today. She is Serena Williams. She gave birth and afterwards started to feel really funny. She knew something wasn't right. She kept persisting that they needed to do some tests. I've had blood clots before. This is what this feels like. Oh, no, you don't, you're not worrying. You just had a baby. Everything is fine. She continued to press. This is Serena Williams. You can't tell me it's lack of health care. I'm sure she had insurance, and even if she didn't, she's worth a gazillion dollars. She can afford whatever test she's asking for. They finally relented and gave her the test. She was developing clots, which is exactly what she said was going on. Another example, you guys may remember in the news several months ago, a young um, African-American woman walked into the ER, classic symptoms, classic symptoms of a heart attack, right? Now, we all know most of the time you walk in with symptoms of a heart attack, do, do not pass go. We'll get your information later. They're rushing you to the back. You go to the front of the line. They made this girl wait hours. I don't mean one or two hours. Like, I'm talking 
if I remember the story, 10, 12 hours, this girl waited so long till she left, was going to go home, try to rest, maybe go to another hospital, died from a heart attack. And the articles and the research I've read talks about the fact that when women of color go into doctor's offices, emergency rooms, hospitals, sometimes their concerns aren't taken as seriously. You know, look at look at Serena, you know, look at uh, Gabrielle Union, who talked about the fact that she was let go from I think it's called America's America's Got Talent is the show because her hair, it was too she was changing it too much. It was too ethnic. It was it, it was too much for them. If Gabrielle Union is experiencing that, imagine what it's like for Karen Davis Thompson. Right. I'm just a regular average woman of color making it day to day. I'm I'm nobody, you know famous if somebody with money fame power is experiencing it imagine what it's like for your average woman of color and I'll give you a few examples of things that we deal with even in the workplace so I was I was younger and so I think age may have had a little something to do with it too but you guys can probably relate you ever send an email that you you know it's just a very standard email I was working in communications for human resources at this company at the time and I was all excited. I had implemented this employee appreciation week and we were going to have pizza one day. And I just said, you know, here's the list of activities. Pizza is going to be on Wednesday. Where is to be determined? We hadn't decided where. So our facilities guy, who's an older white gentleman, reamed me like he went left, y'all. I, I, sauce on the, on the floor and it's in the carpet. I mean, he just lost it. And he sent an email to me and copy. You know how people call themselves getting you straight and they copy 10 or 12 different people? He, he pulled one of those. So I, in a very professional way, and, and I will tell you, it was professional. I have friends who even today will be like, girl, read this email because I know I'm not saying it the way that I need to. So I, I know how to write them in a way that's professional. But at the same time, you know that I am serious about what I'm saying to you. When he responded to that email, he then only emailed me and he was very apologetic. So a few minutes after the exchange, my supervisor calls me in and she says, well, how could you have said that differently? And I said to her, with all due respect, I, I meant it just the way I said it. Well, you know how he is. I said, I do. And now he knows how I am. It is not acceptable for him to speak to me that way just because that's how he is. Because if that's what we're going with, then it's acceptable for me to respond in the way that I responded because that's how I am. If that's the logic that we're going with. So I had to learn early to speak up for myself. And it's a thin line because then you get the angry black woman if you come off too assertive as they see it. Um, I've always been very sure of myself. I've always been very able to communicate what I'm thinking, feeling, uh, how I feel about a situation. And there are times when it's, you know, it's difficult. And um, I'm very careful of my language, my choice of words, because you won't ever be able to say that I was unprofessional or inappropriate. You may not like what I said, but you will never be able to accuse me of unprofessionalism. That is what it's like as a woman of color walking through life every day. I'll give you another example. This was a few years ago. I won't say the company, but I was a communications manager at a company. I've been there about three weeks and I was given a presentation in front of several staff members, probably 200 people there. So one of my colleagues came up to me later and she was telling me, she was like, girl, this just gets me every time people say it. So the, the person next to her, who was not a person of color, asked my name. Well, who is she again? She told him my name. 
where is she from again? She told her where, what you know job I'd had prior to this, where I went to school, former reporter, etc. And so she says, she's so articulate. And so my colleague says, why, yes, isn't that amazing? So the other person heard the sarcasm, but she didn't get it. And it wasn't, wow, this information she's giving is so useful. I didn't know this. You know, this is really great. She was just absolutely impressed with how articulate I was. And it, it's not a compliment. You shouldn't be surprised that I'm able to articulate. But that was what she took away from everything that I was saying. So when you're a woman of color, it's really a balancing act because, again, you need to be able to stand up for yourself. You need to be able to speak. You need to be able to contribute. But at the same time, it's, you know, well, she's angry. You know, I told you guys a few weeks ago, I tell my truth at an event, at a, at a, a support group, and you're worried about what I said and am I okay? So those are the types of issues that we'll be diving into. Those are the types of things that we want to try to get to the, the bottom of. Um, those issues that we're dealing with, that everybody is dealing with. But for some reason, it's not uh, viewed the same when it's a person of color that's going through it. Um, you know, the IVF issue that we're going to be talking about. I'm really excited about colorism because some of what my my friends and and um, interview guests had to say was really profound just in terms of how they had to deal with it in their own families and then how they were perceived by others in the community. You know, one of my guests will talk about being the only African-American in a classroom and how she was um, described, not by her name, but her skin color, that was the descriptor that was used for her and how that impacted her growing up. Um, I'll give you another example. So I was in college and um, it was before I became a foster parent and I had never heard of WIC. And if you don't know what WIC is, it stands for Women, Infants and Children. And it is aid that you can get to make sure that your child gets the proper formula they need. It's typically dairy type stuff, milk, etc. So I'm home from college and my mom sends me to the store to buy ingredients for macaroni and cheese. And in macaroni and cheese, what do you have? Cheese. You know, my mama puts milk in it, whatever. So I go through the line and I'm checking out and the girl says to me, on wick? And I'm like, uh, excuse me? So she says it again, like on wick, like this is on wick. And so I said, what is a wick? Like, I didn't even know what she was talking about. So I got home. It bothered me all the way home. And I thought to myself, I think this girl just discriminated against me. But I don't even know, like, I, I think I should be mad, but I don't even know why. So when I went home and asked my mom and she explained it, it's like, you see, an African-American woman who's buying milk, cheese, and your assumption is, like, because I've dealt with WIC since then, because as a foster parent, if you have a child who's under a certain age, they receive WIC, because that's how you get their formula, and as a foster parent, the state pays for it. You don't have to pay for it, so I know how it works. There's things that I would have had to give her if I was paying for this on WIC, so you didn't need to ask me if I was using WIC, you'd have known it. So her assumption was because here is this 
young African-American female buying these dairy products, it must be that she's getting it on wick. And I knew enough to knew I needed to be mad. I just didn't know why until I went, that thing bothered me all the way from the grocery store, y'all, until I got home and was able to ask my mom, what is a wick? And at first she didn't even know what I meant until I explained what happened. And then she explained to me what it was. And that is the type of issue that we have to deal with, that we have to raise our children to deal with. You don't want people to see um, disparities around every corner, but you also want them to be aware of it so that when it happens, it can be addressed. Because in a lot of cases, like, you know, that's, that's a story that I'm telling that I can laugh about it now. But when you talk about health care, people's lives are at stake. If I come in and tell you I'm having chest pains, that I'm having shortness of breath, I've got numbness on my left side. All of that is a classic. It's not even like I know sometimes they say heart attacks present differently for women. And so sometimes you may misdiagnose. But this girl came in with classic symptoms of a heart attack. And you had her sit in the waiting room for hours. Serena Williams tells you you need to run this test. And you try to tell her that she just worries too much. So in some cases, people's lives depend on it. So it's an issue that we really need to look at and what can we do collectively not just as women of color but all of us together to call attention to this so that we all are are, are treated the same way we all get the same opportunities we all get the same access to what we need we're all heard because in this case it's just a matter of not being heard. And if you look it up and do some of the research for yourself, you'll see that there are studies that talk about the fact that a lot of times when women of color go to the doctor and they talk about their symptoms, they are not given the same consideration. They're not heard in the same way. And sometimes we may, you know, this is the doctor and they're saying, you know, I don't need to worry. And so you don't question it. This young lady maybe didn't have the, maybe she didn't feel well enough to, she didn't know to, to really fight and say, I need to be seen and now. And so she left and then died of a heart attack when she was at the hospital where it could have been treated. So I'm hoping that you all are excited to go and hear more about these stories, to learn more about what we go through and how we can all work together to make it better. And I hope that you will let us know uh, what topics you want to know more about. You can email us with questions. Again, it's kdt at inmyshoestoday.com. That is kdt at inmyshoestoday.com. I encourage you to do some of the research for yourself. Be ready to have a great conversation with us and to hear what these women have to say. And I am um, I'm ready for the journey. I'm ready for it. I hope you are. And until next week, when we start with our in-studio guests, be blessed. Thank you.